the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The El Conservador Radio Show is sponsored by the Federation for American Immigration Reform and George Rodriguez on 930 AM, The Answer. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador, George Rodriguez. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas on this beautiful Saturday, April the 15th, 2023. We have a packed show, as usual. Got some great uh, guests for you today. We've got some uh, some great information as well. You're going to please call your friends and tell them to join in. Uh, to listen to our program, as well as, as soon as I posted, uh, share it with people, folks. Uh, I mean, this information is very, very important. Not only is it important uh, to know so that you're up to date on politics, but folks, in many cases, because of the border crisis, this is a public safety issue. This is important that you know what is happening at the border so that you know how to prepare for it in your own backyard, because it's coming into your backyard. Uh, first of all, let me tell you who our guests are, and then I'm going to tell you a little bit about um, what is happening in Austin or what happened this past week in Austin regarding a hearing of a bill that has the liberals, the leftists, the media just in in a in a uh, absolutely whirlwind, topsy turvy, uh, freaking out. Uh, that's the best way that I can describe it. Uh, because it is so comprehensive and because it is a step, in my opinion, in the right direction. It doesn't have all the elements that we need, but it is a step. So who are our guests? First of all, we've got my very, very good friend, Dinesh D'Souza, who is going to be in San Antonio uh, this coming week. Dinesh is going to be at the um, University of Texas San Antonio, UTSA, here in San Antonio at the Richard Liu uh, auditorium on uh, on the 18th uh, on Tuesday the 18th at 7 p.m. my friends uh, you're going to want to hear him there he's going to be talking about the lies of the left and uh, so he's going to be on uh, he's going to be our first guest and I'm going to ask him about the lies of the left particularly about what's going on at the border I mean he uh, he's got a lot to say about uh, our border security and Mallorca saying of course, that the border is secure. We also have uh, Mr. Josh Trevino, Joshua Trevino, from the uh, Texas Public Policy Foundation. He's going to be giving us an uh, update of what uh, uh, they are doing as far as uh, research uh, on the border crisis, my friends. Uh, Josh is an old friend uh, from uh, past years, and he is, a, uh, he is in charge of their research on Mexico, and and the policies that are impacting on our uh, on our border, we also have Mr. John Biner. John is uh, with the um, Breitbart. He is a reporter for Breitbart. He just recently did a superb article, a fantastic article about importing poverty. You're going to want to hear this, my friends, because that's exactly what is happening. We are importing poverty. We're not importing the uh, the intellectuals or the best and the brightest. We're importing poor people. And you got to understand, my friends, that this is not the 18th century anymore. This is not the 19th century. This is the 21st century. And when you bring in poor, you got to train them. You got to fit them in to your society. And when you bring in millions of them, guess what's happening to your society, my friends? So you're going to want to hear uh, John Biner. We also have, uh, and this is a very special guest, we've got uh, Mr. Mark Meckler. He is president of the uh, Convention of States 
organization. He, uh, I interviewed him up in Austin this past week. You're going to want to hear what he's got to say. Mark Meckler, very, very uh, well-spoken individual. We also have uh, Miss um, Miss Teresa Wyrick, who is uh, with the Fredericksburg, Texas Tea Party. She was one of the uh, people that was up there in Austin uh, speaking about this bill. And uh, she uh, has uh, a, a, a depth of knowledge. You're going to want to hear what a common citizen has to say about this. We also have an other, another person who I consider a citizen, uh, a, uh, a, a, a person who is uh, being impacted by this border crisis. Uh, we have Miss Rhonda Marquette, who is with the uh, Kenny County uh Republican Party. She, uh, it, I mean, she. The it's one of the epicenters. It's one of the front lines in the border crisis. Rhonda is right there, constantly uh, watching this invasion that is going on, and she's got a lot of things to say about it. So you're going to want to hear what she's got to say. So those are our guests. Okay. So let me tell you real quick about this uh, this bill that's going on and the meltdown that the left and the media are having with it. First of all, it is a bill which has been put together by State Representative Matt Schaefer. And uh, they are screaming and yelling, uh, they being the left, the Democrats, are screaming and yelling that uh, it's going to put together a uh, volunteer police force called the Border Protection Unit. Well, it, 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 it designs... Or it, uh, it, it uh, does put together something like that. But my friends, this is not a vigilante group. This is not, these folks are going to be well trained by the uh, department, the State Department of Public Safety. And they are, uh, they are not going to be fly-by-night folks who are just going to pick up a gun and stand at the border. But that's not how the, uh, the main, mainstream media uh, calls it. They, uh, the civil rights groups, <laughs> Yeah, the immigrants' rights group. I love the way that they use that term. They are not immigrant rights groups, my man. They are illegal alien rights groups. And illegal aliens should not have rights. I mean, what's the point of being a citizen if an illegal alien has the same rights? What's the point of being a citizen? Just ask yourself that. So at any rate, they were, them and the Democrat lawmakers in Austin were just having a fit uh, over this because, well, uh, you know, one of the, um, uh, in fact, several, several of the witnesses of the Democrat witnesses of these community uh, organizers, uh, leftist community, had the nerve to say that the uh, border is not in that bad of a shape. Now, when called out on it and asked about uh, chases, they had the nerve, one person had the nerve to say, that those chases are fabricated, that that's a lie, that the, that the uh, state troopers and the Border Patrol uh, have fabricated. I, it's incredible. I mean, it is, it is just these people, uh, how can you deal with folks who lie? How can you deal with folks who are so delusional and out of touch? So anyway, um, according to this uh, write-up uh, by Roque Planas, who is uh, one of the far-left uh, news writers, uh, he says that the proposed law would give volu- a volunteer border patrollers uh, the authority to deter and repel uh, people attempting to cross the border. Well, uh, you know, again, my friends, people are crossing the border everywhere. Either they are walking across and introducing themselves to the border patrol and claiming asylum, which ties up the border patrol, which takes them away from actually doing what they're supposed to be doing, which is the design of the of this administration, and leaves vast areas un, uh, unpoliced, uh, unchecked. So what needs to happen is that these areas need to be policed and checked. And the state, again, the state troopers are doing it. State troopers are doing a good job of it, but they're not, they're not equipped. I mean, they, they're, they're, there's too few of them. There's also the sheriff's departments, my friends, that are out there, and they can't do it all. I mean, in most cases, these are rural sheriff's sheriff's departments that have maybe eight, ten at the most uh, people uh, on their staff, deputies, 
and uh, you know they have to take care of citizen needs as well as stopping these people that are crossing the border, these uh, smugglers, which is what they are. Not only are they smuggling people into the country, they're smuggling in the drugs, of course, the fentanyl. So while the Border Patrol is busy working with the people who are declaring asylum, the thousands that are declaring asylum, hundreds of them on a daily basis, they, uh, they can't get out there and, and stop the smugglers. And so that's left up to the state troopers who are outmanned and the, and the uh, sheriff's departments and their deputies who are also outmanned. So what we need, my friends, is some help, particularly since the Biden administration doesn't want to put up a fence on the border. So these civil rights groups, one of them, this Alicia Torres from uh, it's something called the Grassroots Leadership. And uh, they call themselves a criminal reform, criminal justice reform. That means that they want to undermine the justice system. That's what it means. Anytime you hear criminal justice reform, that means they want to undermine the justice. She says that these laws, that this uh, th- this uh, uh, bill is going to criminalize their existence. <laughs> well, Alicia, let me tell you, crossing the border illegally is a crime. It really is. So it's not that we're criminalizing your very existence. If you're an illegal alien, you've broken the law. I, it is just amazing to me how these folks just can't think in these terms correctly. Then, of course, uh, there's, a, there's a Democrat uh, state representative named Gene Wu. Uh, I think he's from, from, from Harris County. But anyway, um, he, so, he says, quote, I know... I know who are the people who are going to be listed as enemies. They are going to look like us, uh, and we are we are the ones who are going to do everything. They are going to do everything to demonize us. Now, my friends, again, the third world. Mister Wu is of Asian descent, and Mister Wu ought to understand that the third world is being fed all sorts of crap about our. Uh, nation, yet all of these third world people are coming to the country. Yep. Now, uh, again, they uh, some of them are coming from communist China. Some of them are coming from Iran, Iraq. I mean, we know. We've caught them. Uh, well over 200 terrorists. People on the terrorist list have been intercepted. Heaven knows how many have not. My friends, yes, people from the third world are the ones that are coming illegally into the United States, and thus they need to be stopped. That's what we need to do. I'm sorry, that's the fact, Jack, is that they need to be, they are the ones that are the prime suspects of their coming across. They look like you. I'm sorry, we've got to stop them. Now, uh, you know, I don't see anybody stopping somebody that comes across legally, that comes into the United States after having applied and after following the, the correct process. I don't see a problem with that. However, yes, they do. My friends, uh, you're going to want to listen to, our, to our, our commentators. You're going to want to listen to our folks. So uh, thank you for tuning in. Please uh, call your friends. Tell, us, tell them to join us. This is George Rodriguez, El Conservador. Please support us. Please, uh, we're always looking for... Uh, folks to be sponsors, folks to uh, advertise on our show. Um, We need help to continue telling our story and to educate the public because, my friends, I guarantee the mainstream media doesn't do that. All they do is paint all of the illegal aliens as nothing more than, uh, than victims. Illegal immigration is illegal. That's why they use that term. Once again, George Rodriguez, stay tuned. We're going to go to our first guest, Dinesh D'Souza. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And uh, we've got a special guest with us. He's been on before, uh, Mr. Dinesh Dinesh D'Souza. He is uh, somebody that I got to meet way back in the early years of uh, the Reagan administration. I met him a couple of times at the uh, Heritage Foundation, of all places. And uh, we, uh, I, I, I have been following him. He, I have so much respect for him. Dinesh, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for taking time. Let me ask you about um, 
you're going to be here in San Antonio. Let me make sure that we've got this correct. You're going to be here in San Antonio on April the 18th, Tuesday at 7 o'clock at UTSA's Richard Liu Auditorium. And uh, you're going to be speaking about the lies of the left, which is, uh, <laughs> I, I, I would imagine it's going to be a long presentation. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm looking forward to it because um, the campus has been my stomping ground for speaking for, you know, a quarter of a century. But ever since COVID, I have not been speaking on campus. Part of that is uh, just the simple fact that, you know, colleges were in semi-shutdown mode and a lot of them were doing online classes. So not a whole lot of speakers going to campus. But so this is an event that I'm now doing on a campus after really a, a hiatus, a break of a, of a couple of years. And uh, so I don't quite know what to expect, but I'm looking forward to it. I like talking to young people and I like, you know, I like challenging them in a healthy way and getting them to think about stuff. And I can assure you I'll be telling them stuff that they're not getting from their professors. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Well, you know, this, this topic, lies of the left. Let me begin by, by asking you, I mean, we've been hearing, we are living here at the border. And uh, one of the things that we have heard uh, repeatedly, not just once, but several times from uh, uh, Homeland Security Mayorkas is that the border is under control. Um, how, you know, these lies that the left says, um, how can they get away with it? <laughs> well, they're very brazen about it, and they rely on the fact that they've got a compliant media, uh, a media that will amplify their lies and go to bat for their lies. Um, you might um, remember that um, NPR, National Public Radio, and I'm thinking about this in part because, you know, Twitter branded them as government-funded, and then they decided, <laughs> we're, we're going to get off Twitter. We refuse to be called what we actually are, namely government-funded. But uh, NPR was asked, well, why don't you cover the Hunter Biden story? And they replied, this is an official reply by NPR, we don't want to waste our viewers and readers' time by covering stories that ultimately are just distractions and don't really matter. <laughs> think about this. This is NPR. So think about how to, there's, there's the lie, and then there's the willingness of the media to become part of the lie. And this is why the left does it, because they get away with it. Yep, that's very, very true. I mean, uh, the, uh, the whole situation with the dossier, uh, it uh, it just seemed to go on and on, and now it's very, very quiet as to who said what and why. <laughs> well, this is the point, is that for four years, the whole Russia collusion thing, and again, the Atlantic Monthly, the New York Times, I mean, these there are media outlets that won Pulitzer Prizes for transmitting these lies. <laughs> and then the other point is that when the lies are busted, they'll be like, yeah, gee, oh, okay, but no apology, no retraction, no accountability. Nobody takes away the Pulitzer Prize. Nobody gets disgraced. Journalists don't lose their jobs. And so this lying industry now uh, is uh, producing a commodity, namely falsehood. Uh, and the commodity itself is being sold to the American people. Wow. So what are some of the lies that you will be talking about? Well, I'm on the campus, and I want to focus on the lies that, in a sense, you could say, defy the lives of a lot of young people today. So um, these are the ones I have in mind. I have, it's not my final list, but I thought I'd start off with the lie about fascism, because that's, it was, that's one word that's bandied about the campus all the time. You're a fascist. Uh, so the lie about fascism, the lie about racism, that's going to be number two. Um, the third is going to be the lie about sex and about gender. Uh, and then I'm also thinking about the lies about guns and about the climate. I'm not sure if I'll be able to get to all of them, but I'm certainly going to take up the unholy trinity of race, gender, and sexual orientation. Oh, my gosh. Now, I'm very curious, Dinesh. Do you think that uh, that, they're, that they'll let you give your presentation in peace, or do you anticipate any kind of... Uh, anxiety attack, let's call it that, from some people. 
Well, I, I, you know, I honestly don't know. I would say that my experience has been that I usually get a big crowd. It's typically a mix of students and people from the community. And by the way, this event is open to the community. Good. Um, so that it's going to be probably, again, a mixed audience. And, um, you know, I sometimes can counter bands of activist students who start, you know, getting a bit rowdy and so on. I've never had an, uh, uh, an event canceled. Um, well, I mean, there was one many years ago at Columbia University, but it was a very strange event because <laughs> it was outdoors. And so students showed up with bullhorns and so on and were able to disrupt it. But that's the only time in a quarter century that I've actually been shut down on the campus. So I'll be eager to see. But, uh, you know, my goal is to is to bring a blunt and candid, but I'll make it, you know, interesting and entertaining. And so if they let me speak, it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun for everybody. <laughs> It should be. Uh, you're you're doing these uh, these uh, presentations. Um, the uh, who who are your sponsors? Is uh, is Turning Point USA? Am I correct? And in, 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 they're one of your sponsors for this. Right. So I was approached by the the Turning Point chapter at UT San Antonio, uh -huh. and they they're the ones who invited me. You always need a local group on the campus. They're the ones who reserve the auditorium uh, and make it you know make it a campus event. So I used to do a fair amount of speaking with a group called the Young America Foundation, but I'm really not speaking with them anymore. Um, and uh, so I'm delighted to do this event with Turning Point. Excellent, excellent. Do uh, are you are you working on any more books? I mean, the books and and the presentations and the videos that that you produced, uh, particularly after the the uh, the last election, uh, have been really, really. I mean, uh, people have just loved them. Are you working on anything like that? Well, let me just say, I'm doing a big film uh, to come out this year, and it. Um, it incorporates all the stuff that's on people's minds right now. Essentially, it's, you know, people are thinking, what is happening to our country? And um, so we're going to, uh, we have a fresh way to look at this and to present it, uh, not only in a powerful way to rally our side, but I think also to convince a lot of people who are in the middle and also to offer a real challenge to the left. Um, so that's going to come out in October, and we're shooting that film right now. Mm. Let me ask you this before we let you go. I, I, I am fascinated. I, there was a hearing yesterday uh, on, on Thursday uh, in Austin regarding an immigration bill that the, uh, that the state legislature wants to put together. However, the opponents kept claiming, I don't know, these are various organizations, groups, individuals, even elected officials who oppose any kind of immigration control, I guess, insisting that there is no problem uh, at the border or that any problems that are happening are, are the result of climate change uh, or, of course, racism, et cetera, et cetera. How do we logically talk to people? Well, look, we're, we're experiencing a flagrant violation of our immigration laws, and it's being done by the very government that is entrusted to enforce those laws. The, um, the truth of it is that uh, the Democrats have ca uh, calculated that it is politically uh, in their interest to have an open border or a porous border. And they realize that that comes with really high costs. It, it empowers cartels because, after all, they rely implicitly. They'll never say this, but they rely on the cartel to be the transmission belt of bringing people from the faraway precincts of Central and South America all the way to the Mexican border. Ordinary families can't travel 1,500 or 2,000 miles on their own, just you know, get, get there and show up at the right place at the right time. So the Biden administration is facilitating child trafficking, they're facilitating rape, they're facilitating all kinds of criminal and drug activity, but they're like, you know what, it doesn't really matter because this is going to pay massive dividends to us in the long run. So it's a ruthless political strategy, and I think the solution here is not even so much argument 
Uh, it's waking up the American people to the fact that our country is being subverted. And again, I don't blame the migrants. I blame the Biden regime for what it's doing. They're the ones who are the most lawless people of all. Right. And of course, the media just carrying on and ignoring the problems, but, but claiming that these folks are just migrants. They're not illegal aliens or anything else. They're just migrants. <laughs> exactly. I mean, the... Uh, you know, we used to have a clear distinction in the country, uh, and I, I went through this myself. I mean, I came to the country as an exchange student. I wasn't a citizen. I was an alien. But I was an alien who was here lawfully for a temporary period. Then I became a student. I was on a student visa. Again, I wasn't an immigrant. I wasn't, I didn't have a green card or a V or a, uh, or a citizenship card. So all of that took me, you know, 15 years to go through the naturalization process, following the rules, in a sense, standing in line. So, you know, for those of us who have been, who are legal immigrants, we are pro-immigration, but we are anti-illegal immigration. You got it, buddy. Dinesh, thank you very, very much for taking time. We've been speaking with Dinesh D'Souza. Uh, the great Dinesh D'Souza. He's going to be here in San Antonio on uh, April the 18th, Tuesday at 7 o'clock at UTSA's Richard Lule Auditorium. Uh, anything else you'd like to share with us before we let you go? No, I'm excited to be coming to your neck of the woods and uh, looking forward to interacting with some students and also with uh, people from the community. And there's a lot to talk about. Look forward to that. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Our next guest is Teresa Wyrick with the Fredericksburg Tea Party. So tell me why you're here, Teresa. Well, border security, as you know, is a very important issue to Texans and to the United States. We do have an invasion. There's no question. I can quote chapter and verse and many statistics on that. This is probably one of the most important bills that are going to be presented. It's supported by the governor. It's supported by lieutenant governor. It's supported by the AG and the majority of conservative groups in Texas. This will allow us to basically use the self-help rule in the Constitution they need to clean up the language a little bit, but it's there. It also allows us to use a modified version of what Title 42 was, which again allows us to take individuals who are um, have an infectious disease and return them back over the border. So in favor, just need a little fine-tuning of the language, but it's a very important bill because it will allow us to take control of our border because clearly the United States government, the federal government, has failed to secure our borders. Gotcha. Now, there's a huge group of people that are outside right now, this building, who are protesting against it. What are your thoughts? Well, I understand, and what they're focused on is, quite frankly, immigration. This is not an immigration question. This is, a, this is really a border security, which is national security question. Immigration rights, we are all immigrants in this country, and I think I have not met a single person in Texas who hasn't been in favor of good immigration, of, of legal immigration, making sure that people come... Controlled immigration. Controlled immigration. And making sure that those individuals come across safely and have a path to citizenship and really the opportunity to be successful and, in, and be successful in a very safe way. We don't have that through illegal immigration. Gotcha. Thank you very, very much. We've been speaking with Teresa... Bailey Wyrick. Bailey Wyrick from Fredericksburg Tea Party. Thank you very much. Patrick. Thank you. Have a good one. Once again, George Rodriguez at Conservador talking to you from Austin, Texas today. And we've got uh, the president of the Convention of States, uh, Mr. Mark Megler. And we're here at uh, a hearing that's going to be held on uh, House Bill uh, 20 regarding immigration. Uh, why is this uh, an important bill to you, Mark? It's important to me because I think everybody in America knows that we've got a crisis on our southern border. It's a humanitarian crisis. It's a national security crisis. And it has appeared for years that the federal government isn't going to do anything about that. And so Texans have to step up and do something about it. 
you know, people joke all the time about the idea of Texas is going to secede from the United States. I don't think that's the case. I think Texas is going to save the United States. And one of the pieces, I think, hopefully, is House Bill 20. Uh, you know, I've heard there's going to be a committee substitute on House Bill 20 today. I haven't seen that committee substitute, so I don't want to comment on the specifics. But, you know, basically what we're hoping is we're hoping that this creates an independent border protection unit, something that can be directly controlled by the governor. Uh, frankly, on a personal level, I just don't have faith with the other agencies to, to do what it takes to secure our border. Uh, number two is I want to make sure that there is, like I said, direct accountability of the governor. He is essentially, for these purposes, our commander-in-chief, and so we'd like to see Governor Abbott in control of the force. Number three, I want to see a commitment to seize and destroy cartel assets. You know, the cartels are a scourge, not just on our border, but across the United States, and it's going to be up to Texas to step into that fight. And number four, we want to see a commitment to actually repelling the invasion. There's an invasion taking place at our southern border. The governor has openly stated and declared that there's an invasion taking place, and we want that invasion repelled. That is constitutional under the United States Constitution and the Texas Constitution. So what I'm looking forward to is seeing if there is a committee substitute that the bill declares and does all of those things, and if it does, then we'll be in wholehearted support of that. Now, there's a huge crowd outside this building that is protesting against the bill, and they are obviously claiming that the state of Texas doesn't have a right to get involved in immigration or foreign issues. Uh, however, I have a personal situation where even my I have a niece that was rear-ended by an illegal alien uh, who had no driver's license, who had no uh, insurance, etc., etc. Many Texans are being victimized like that. What's your thought? Yeah, look, I think they're misstating the issue, and I think this is being done intentionally. The Supreme Court has said very clearly in U.S. v. Arizona that states have no right to enforce immigration law. We're not here to talk about immigration law. This is not about immigration law. Immigration law is a federal issue at this point based on the Supreme Court ruling. What we're here to talk about is repelling an invasion. There is an invasion taking place at our southern border. We know over 6 million people have come across our border. That's the official number. I believe it's higher. 1.2 million gotaways, according to the Border Patrol. A gotaway just means that they saw them and they didn't apprehend them or or give them any kind of processing. There's probably more than that. We know that there's a humanitarian crisis at the border. We know that young children are being sex trafficked. We know at least 30% of the women making the journey from South and Central America are raped or sexually assaulted. We know that our ranchers are under constant violent threat from the cartels. We know that they're finding bodies on their property every day. We know that there's a fentanyl crisis in this country. Over 70,000 people died of fentanyl poisoning or overdose last year. By the way, more people than died, Americans than died in the entire Vietnam War, one every seven minutes. So the question we're asking is how many more? And that's the question I would ask the people who are protesting against this. Are they for sex trafficking? Are they for fentanyl deaths? Are they for somebody rear-ending your niece who had no business being in this country, who, who was part of this invasion of our country, who hurt your niece, financially injured your niece. Are they for those things? That's the real way we should be addressing this question. You got it. Tell the folks where they can follow uh, costs and uh, where, how they can uh, contribute or get involved. Sure, they can go to conventionofstates.com and get involved in Convention of States. More importantly, April 29th, there will be a big rally here at the Texas Capitol. That's a Saturday, 1 to 4. They can go to howmanymore.com and they can register for that rally and they can join us here. They'll be headlined, opened by Ted Nugent will be there, Senator Chip Royal will be there. Laura Logan will be there. I'll be the master of ceremony. So go to howmanymore.com and get registered for that rally. Excellent. Thank you very much. We've been speaking with uh, the president of uh, the Convention of States, Mr. Mark Meckler. Howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from from Austin. We're here at the uh, hearing uh, for one of the bills regarding immigration, one of the state bills regarding immigration, and with, uh, Mar- with Rhonda Marquardt, who, Marquardt, who is uh, a resident of Brackettville, Texas, in Kenny County. And Kenny County is one of the places that has been really slammed, really overpowered by the uh, immigration uh, the illegal immigration, the border crisis. Rhonda, why are you here? Um, I'm hoping that our uh, House can pass some bills that would go coincide with the Senate bills that would do something about the illegal immigration and the drug trafficking, human trafficking, and sex trafficking that goes through our county. 
Now, how have have uh, you, as a resident of, of Brackettville, suffered uh, because of the border crisis? Well, in our little town, it's uh, every time you get on Highway 90, you are looking to see is there going to be a chase that's going to take you out. Um, so that's a constant threat. Everybody in our community would say, um, and then we just keep arresting. Like day before yesterday, the murderer from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, that is on one of the most wanted lists, and that happens almost on a daily basis in our county, that somebody is picking them up. Has it impacted on your uh, lifestyle, on your living day, daily living? Absolutely. Stress at all times. Stress at all times? Yes. How so? Uh, you just live in constant stress of what could be coming, what's out there, what's going to happen. Is somebody in my community today going to get taken out by a person who's trafficking going 130 miles an hour past our highways and hit your car, T-bone you? Uh, we have been blessed so far that that has not happened, but there have been a number of close calls. Um, are they going to take out a kid that's walking down the street? Uh, you know, sooner or later, it's going to happen. It's just a matter of when. And we all look around to make sure before we enter any highway or cross any road. Rhonda, what do you hope uh, will come out of this hearing? I hope that eyes are awakened to what's really coming across. Um, there, there are all kinds of evil and crime that's occurring there. And uh, I think people don't really get it. They need to come out at nighttime. And, and just go see for themselves. Uh, that's my answer to people who don't, there's not a problem. When they say there's not a problem, they need to come and see. We've been speaking with a citizen of Kenny County of Brackettville, Ms. Rhonda Marquardt. Thank you. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And we've got a new guest with us uh, from Bar- Breitbart. He's a reporter with Breitbart. He just wrote an excellent article about the importing of poverty, which is something that we are seeing tremendously here in San Antonio, particularly over at the Migrant Center, where we've got uh, migrant homeless uh, spilling out into the street. John, welcome to the show. Tell us about your, uh, your article. Sure. Thanks so much for having me, George. Um, so, you know, what we saw last late last month was that, you know, essentially the New York Times is um, admitting that, finally admitting after decades of this, um, that the United States is in fact um, importing very impoverished foreign nationals um, from all over the world. And we've certainly seen this with the Biden administration. Um, You know, I mean, we now have programs that literally go out and find migrants, would-be migrants, um, to then bring them to the United States-Mexico border for entry into the United States. So what the New York Times admitted was that about 40% of all of the nation's poor children are in fact the children of immigrants and what does that tell us that tells us that people grown adults are arriving to the united states um and are incredibly poor through no fault of their own i mean it is the united states federal government that is allowing them entry to the united states um so they're simply taking advantage of our system um but they're arriving to the united states either with children or eventually having children and are living you know below the poverty line um and what does this do this creates an, a, a tremendous economic and social burden on american citizens working in middle class american communities american taxpayers think about the burden that it has on local public school systems um the burden that it has on local hospitals i mean you're seeing this in south texas george i'm sure where the the burden on south texas you know is overwhelmingly um you know being put on the taxpayers there over other states and should texas have to front the bill for that true uh, one of the things that has always been argued about illegal aliens uh, working and receiving or receiving any kind of public assistance, it's always been that they work and they don't pay taxes uh, and uh, or they're, 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 they don't reclaim their taxes, uh, that uh, they're 
they are exploited, but they are. The thing is that in this case, these people are coming to the United States and they haven't paid a dime into the into the system, even if they did work. Yes, that's exactly right. And think about, you know, all of, uh, I mean, there are about 8 million illegal aliens in the United States that hold American jobs. And the number is probably beyond that because our illegal population has grown to somewhere between 11 to 22 million. Um, but think about those 8 million illegal aliens that are holding American jobs that would otherwise go to working in middle class Americans. Um, many teenagers that would take those jobs otherwise. Um, those are typically employers that are paying, you know, below minimum wage rates um, under the table. And that is money that, you know, I mean, what does that do to an industry? It drives down the wages of that industry. Um, and of course, business loves illegal immigration exactly for this reason, because it keeps the cost of labor in a lot of these working and lower middle class industries incredibly low. Um, but that creates the social and economic burden on American taxpayers. And I know right now the Texas legislature is is you know um, trying to decide on whether or not they'll pass mandatory e-verify um, and I would advise your listeners to you know call their state reps call their state senators make them you know um, give them their opinion on what on what mandatory e-verify could mean for Texas uh, in terms of protecting US wages protecting working middle class Americans so that they do not have to compete against low wage illegal workers very true you know one of the things that uh, when I worked in the Reagan administration on the 1986 uh, act that included amnesty uh, one of the things that was fought against in that act uh, in that legislation one of the things that was fought very very hard by the Chamber of Commerce by the US Chamber of Commerce was the whole idea of verifying uh, eligibility to work in the United mm -hmm. States and, um, and and since that time, uh, verification, the I-9, has gone completely by the wayside. Uh, is that the same thing that's going on now? I mean, the biz huge business and and um, business groups are, are, are uh, fighting this whole idea of E-Verify? Oh, absolutely. I mean, um, you can look at the hearing, you know, this week in the Texas legislature and you see the it's the same old talking points that you probably heard in the 1980s. You know, well, what about the interests of business? Yeah. Um, well, why is business allowed to um, why is the federal government allowed to artificially inflate the labor market to drive down wages in favor of businesses and against the will of American workers, um, because there are winners and losers in the policies of immigration. It is just like with every other public policy, there are winners and losers. And for so many decades now, the winners in our immigration system are those who are allowed to hire cheap illegal foreign workers um, and the losers are working in middle class Americans, particularly those um, the white working class, Hispanic working class and black working class that are forced to compete against a growing number of illegal workers in the labor market. Well, yeah. And then the bottom line again is that many of these people uh, and we can say, you know, that they're coming, we can pretend that they are coming to work. Many of these people are coming from third world countries where they have no skills. What are they going to do? Well, that's exactly right. And I mean, you listen to the interviews of migrants that have been bussed by Greg Abbott for out of Texas to Chicago, New York City. Um, and other sanctuary jurisdictions and they'll be interviewed right off the buses and they've been told by smugglers um, you know by cartel members that got them to the US-Mexico border about how amazing it's going to be in the United States that they will be given free housing they'll be given hotels they'll be given food um, that that's how things 
operate. Um, and unfortunately, it is the American taxpayer in so many of these sanctuary jurisdictions that have to foot the bill for these housing programs, for these public school programs, the ESL programs, um, you know, the food programs at the food banks. This is all the social and economic impact that falls all on American taxpayers. And the people at the top and the federal government get the benefit from it. Yep. You know, they get low wages. Exactly. John, we need to let you go, but uh, tell the folks where they can follow you. Uh, and uh, read more of, of your articles. Sure. So um, you can go to Breitbart.com. Um, my Twitter is linked in all of my stories at Breitbart.com, so you can find me on Twitter as well. Great. We've been speaking with our good friend, Mr. John Biner from Breitbart. John, keep up the good work and keep us informed. We'll get you back on the show again. Thanks so much, George. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And we've got uh, a, a, an old friend of mine, a new guest to our show, but an old friend of mine, Mr. Joshua Trevino. Joshua is with the uh, Texas Public Policy Foundation, which is the foremost research center here in uh, in Texas. And uh, he is the uh, chief of intelligence and research with an emphasis on Mexico uh, at uh, the Texas Public Policy Foundation. I wanted to get him on uh, because, well, let me ask him. Joshua, thank you for taking time. Welcome to the show. Let me ask you right up front, what uh, do you see as far as uh, Texas and this border crisis go? What are your opinion? What are your thoughts? Well, that's a big question, George, and thanks for having me on. Uh, love the work that you do, and uh, greetings to all your listeners. Look, uh, I wish I could say that the border crisis has an end in sight, uh, but the reality is that it doesn't. Uh, and there's multiple factors pushing it, uh, but the two big ones uh, to our mind is, of course, uh, the inaction and inattention from Washington, D.C. Uh, there's obviously a positive preference coming from this White House and uh, from a lot of the D.C. ruling class uh, for the disintegration of our border. Um, and then, of course, you've got what's happening in Mexico, uh, where there's this increasing uh, and obvious collusion between uh, many of the criminal cartels and the Mexican state itself that have effectively deprived the United States and certainly Texas of a meaningful partner on the southern side of the border. So it's a very, very fraught uh, situation uh, that uh, I expect to get worse. I uh, wish I could say otherwise. Uh, like you, I'm a native South Texan, and uh, I have a lot of affection uh, for the border region uh, and also for Mexico. Uh, but uh, we have to live in the realm of realism. So the question, I think, becomes uh, what can Texas do? And what do you think Texas can do? Because this, the legislature re recently um, has been meeting and discussing various things about it. And uh, some of the mainstream media, the liberal mainstream media, is just having a, uh, a field day with uh, the idea of the state of Texas doing anything about the border. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, we have to understand that uh, a lot of the media establishment uh, is definitely on the other side uh, and certainly not advocating for the interests of Texas or Texans. Uh, but uh, it was ever thus, uh, and that too is part of the reality in which we live. Look, Texas actually has a wide array of constitutional powers, um, powers reserved under the Tenth Amendment, uh, powers that are um, explicit and implicit within uh, Article One, Section 10 of the Constitution, which does include a state power to declare invasion. Uh, this has been the focus of a lot of Texas Public Policy Foundation research over the past year. And uh, I, 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 think, I think the bottom line on it is that uh, Texas has a lot of power that uh, it is starting uh, to use, starting to rediscover. Uh, I think we can be positively encouraged by the direction that the governor's been heading in. Um, uh, like you, I was at the uh, Texas State Capitol for committee hearings yesterday and uh, heard a lot of legislators uh, saying the right things about uh, Texas needing to step up and uh, take action. So, uh, you know, nobody ever won a bunch of money predicting what the end of a legislative session is going to look like. Uh, but what I can say right now in the middle of April uh, in a session year is that uh, there's a lot of things that are on the table before the ledge um, uh, that could have a very, very positive impact on um, uh, Texas and the border. So, you know, I would encourage I would encourage all those listening to, uh, you know, do what they can to get involved and make sure that these, uh, that the, these bills pass. There's also the issue of uh, tr our trading partnership with, with Mexico. 
Mm-hmm. Um, how how do you address the issue of securing a border, particularly from the fentanyl uh, crisis that we're facing, while at the same time maintaining uh, you know a, a border that uh, allows for free trade? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, look, you know, I this is not quite true for San Antonio where you are, but uh, you know, I can I can say firsthand that uh, in places like the Rio Grande Valley or Laredo, um, uh, you know, half the reason is the middle class uh, in these places, uh, which which historically have been sort of incubators of, of American poverty. Right, is because of NAFTA and the post nineteen ninety four free trade era. There's nobody who wants to cut off um, free trade with Mexico. I think everybody realizes um, on both sides of the border the benefits uh, that Mexican trade bring, uh, and, and they are tremendous benefits, and they are benefits uh, that accrue to Texas disproportionately because we have the longest frontier with Mexico. All that said, uh, you know, from a policy perspective, the federal government has consistently refused to link trade and security, and uh, th- there ultimately is no trade. There is no rule of law. Uh, there is no uh, civic life uh, without the precondition of security, and if that security goes, then the trade conversation becomes essential meaningless. So one of the things that we've advocated at the foundation is linking the conversation on trade and security. Um, uh, We benefit tremendously from Mexican trade, but we should not forget that Mexico benefits proportionately much, much, much more. And that's leverage that we have, and we ought to use it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I remember when when, uh, President Trump uh, threatened to close the border. I mean, Mexico seemed to jump to the idea of taking care of their uh, responsibilities much quicker. Well, that's that you know that's exactly right, and it's 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 an unfortunate truism that particularly with the current Mexican president, who is this very old line um, uh, kind of left industrial socialist, uh, who actively dislikes the United States uh, and doesn't mind saying so, that uh, it's that kind of of effort and that kind of willingness to go to the mat, which is the only thing that's going to generate results from him and his administration. Uh, and the reality, you know, we just got back from uh, seven days in Mexico City, uh, myself and some colleagues having these policy conversations across a wide spectrum of uh, Mexican uh, you know, policy elites and journalists and so on. Uh, and that was the universal opinion from their side, is that uh, the United States has to get tough. We have to get serious. Um, uh, I don't expect it from the Biden administration, which is unfortunate to say, uh, but I do think that there are things that Texas can do. No, exactly. Joshua, thank you so much for taking time to be with us. Tell the folks where they can follow you and, and uh, how they can support the Texas Public Policy Foundation. Thank you so much, uh, George. Uh, The Texas Public Policy Foundation is online at texaspolicy.com. Go there, sign up uh, for our newsletter. We have a podcast called The Hard Country that deals with Mexico and border affairs. Uh, We have a border report newsletter that goes out and a lot of other exciting products. Uh, So so, so come support us, absolutely. Uh, But the most important thing is to support Texas. Uh, So I would encourage you, whether it's through us or any other uh, organization, civic organization, I don't care what, um, uh, support good legislation in this legislative session. That's what matters most. You got it. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez and Conservador talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 